Welcome to the Gatecast and our journey through the Stargate, through SG-1, Atlantis and Stargate Universe. Destiny. The design is clearly ancient, launched hundreds of thousands of years ago. We are on a ship, but we have no idea where we are in relation to Earth. These are the wrong people in the wrong place. Sure did. Why'd you do that? He told me to. I have a gun. What happened? Greer. Greer shot him. Each week, Alan and Mike will be following the adventures of the crew of the Destiny, along with one or two guest hosts. Join us for everything that is Stargate Universe. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Gatecast, episode 325. Stargate Universe Season 1, episode to be filled in later, Lost. And we have a guest. Hello. (laughs) Welcome back, Steve. Thank you for having me back. I would say, how are you? But between you and Alan... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I've I've been contemplating putting a bullet in my head listening to these people for the past 10 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say... Lost for the episode title will be Lost the Will to Live by the time we finish. <laughs> <laughs> or in most cases, before we even start. Yeah. More that we continue on despite our assorted ailments rather than because of them. And I suppose on the bright side, in one week and two days, I'll be sitting in the Chelmsford Grange Hotel in the company of Discworld. Something to look forward to then. Yes. And I think I'm not going to bother going up to Birmingham for the anomaly because bother it. I normally only attended two a year, or one a year, and I've done two this year already, so... We'll have you weaned off that by this time next year. You'll probably have me weaned off Pokemon, although I did get a Pikachu last night. <laughs> what you do in your spare time is entirely up to you, mate. <laughs> Still have no idea what Pokemon is. <laughs> You've been living under a rock for the past month. Well, I know it's something people are doing with their mobiles, and it's getting people out walking, and that's as far as I know. Yeah, and, and my response to people when they say that is, yes, I've been doing, the, oddly enough, we've been doing this in Ingress for the past three years. Welcome to our game. Yours is just more graphical, non-skippable animations when you do something interesting, and basically slows the phone to a crawl. I could run Ingress and Google Maps and listen to an audiobook at the same time without the tablet falling over. Or on Pokemon Go and anything else, the tablet sort of goes, nope, drag off, I give up. Anywho. Anywho. Right, as Alan says, we're going to be watching the episode Lost tonight. This rip is from the Region 2 DVD, which Steve now owns. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Well, Netflix was really bad and decided to get rid of Stargate, so how am I going to watch Universe now? So, yeah, use birthday money from family to go and play it. I'm still waiting for the Season 2 (laughs) Blu-ray. Yeah, might be a while. It might come out in line with the movie. I still only get DVDs because... Otherwise, I've got to mess around with my PlayStation 3 um, in order to do the Blu-rays. means getting the controller and lots of messing around. I have a PlayStation Roll controller thanks to the kind and generous acts of Mike. <laughs> that were a while back, wasn't it? It's still going. It's on its third set battery since you sent it. <laughs> I use that a lot. I basically have my PS3, my Xbox, and my NAS wired into a 3-in-1 HDMI thing and going across into my... 1080p projector and you people you're all astronauts on some kind of star trek we are indeed seeking star trek and if you want to seek star trek then why don't you try trek news and views 
the latest news and views on what's going on in the Star Trek world. Your life as it has been is over. Oh my. Oh my indeed, George. We also have a little gossip at the end of each program about a certain subject, be it Romulans, Klingons, or whatever takes our fancy. Feel free to drop us a line and join in. Trek News and Views via Podbean or iTunes. Check it out. Right, the runtime of this episode is 41 minutes 50 seconds. We are currently at the count set to zero, looking at a black screen. Alan is going to do his 3 to 1 countdown, and if you press play when Alan says click, everything should be synced up. Should the mood so take you? Well, somebody does. We do we actually get some downloads, so <laughs> somebody's listening. Yes, are you listening? Dear Constant List. Okay, enough of the. <laughs> yeah, hi, Matt. <laughs> yeah, Matt's listening because at least he sends feedback. Yeah, it's always the problem with podcasts. You can see people downloading them, but the amount of people you get feedback from in comparison is just like so tiny. Yeah, but with numbers that you guys get feedback, you probably get more feedback than you could read out unless you did a special bonus episode every other day just for feedback. Mm, it <laughs> depends. Sometimes we don't get much. It's all more work, though, isn't it? We have got one listener that likes to write an essay. <laughs> it's always fun. As I say to my niece when she complains that her daughter is hugging her and climbing all over her like a tree. I'm like, Karen, she's eight. In three, maybe five years, she'll hate you and everything you stand for. Appreciate the love while you have it. Okay, I'm going with Svenska. I'm not giving you guys a choice. Okay, then. Three, two, et, clicky. This is what Destiny intended from the moment it entered the star system. Right, then. This is Lost, Season 1, Episode 15 of Stargate Universe. Gatecast, Episode 325. This episode was written by Martin Garrow, his final episode for Stargate, and directed by Ron Schmidt. Had its premiere in America and Canada, April the 30th, 2010. The UK got it May the 11th, Germany May the 12th, Belgium and Holland May the 21st, Sweden October the 15th, and Hungary November the 12th, 2013. Series with episodes of the same name, The Bill, Wonderland, Seventh Heaven, American Jungle, Falcon Beach, Z-Lab 2020, Homicide, Memphis Beat, and Eureka. No, I took a wrong turn trying to steer it out. I just need to take a look and get my bearings. And here we are with the very important this morning, because this episode is a direct follow-on. Yeah. More so than most. Yeah, I was going to say, most of these stories do continue on, but I think this is the first time where it's a direct continuation that isn't a second parter. Yeah. Therefore, the roof's unstable. Well, the roof was unstable beforehand, but... They're stable. When they should have realised, don't go into the deep dark hole. I did like the spiders, though. Riley? I thought they were <laughs> yeah. fantastic. Um, one of the things they said from the very beginning is they wanted to have aliens and creatures that you hadn't really seen before, and you saw that with the aliens. It's a bit irked, more so than usual. Telling Destiny to go back and pick them up isn't going to work. How do you know? Because I've already tried it! Yeah, you could be right. I'm done. Temper, temper, Nicholas. Riley taking over from Eli. Being a nuisance to everybody. I suppose he was one of the very few people who didn't mind doing this. Each time Destiny stops, it's in range of only a small group of gates. That means the next time we drop out of FTL, the planet the team was stranded on will no longer be in range of Destiny. However, Dr. Rush and Mr. Brody are working on... Oh. Oh. 
That's weird. <laughs> what happened? Well, the battery must have died. Okay. Hey, that's weird. First instinct was yes. that it's Russia. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> How do you do that? He's got annoyed. <laughs> it's only when something that he's doing goes down that he actually pays attention. Wasn't me. Yeah, now I've got that stupid shaggy song in my head. <laughs> Colonel Young asked you to check on me, didn't he? Yes, but he's asking me to keep tabs on everybody. Um, this is a little bit with them showing sort of, in a way, part of the friendships that they have, but still how she's still checking on people like a counsellor. Yeah, especially James. She's in a awkward position at the moment. Yeah. Rush, come in. Yeah, we got several systems done. It looks like Destiny's activated some kind of power-saving mode. That's strange because our reserves are still at almost maximum current capacity from the last recharge. Life support's fine. I should be able to work around it, get the lights back on in a couple of minutes. Yes, I'm sure you should. Well, you've got to be confident. Work around it. I mean, there's got to be a good reason this is happening. This whole ship is falling apart. This is actually the beginning where we see more of Brody. Since he started with Rush and kicked Telford off the ship, he's come on leaps and bounds. This series has always been very good, the way they've dealt with secondary characters. I know you do get the extras that you don't see much of, but yeah, there's a lot of secondary characters you do get a lot of, and they do get a really good amount of character development. In order to connect the dots between here and the Destiny, there have to be gates in range of each other between this planet and, and wherever Destiny stops next. Before we get too far from that statement, I consider it very ironic about Rush saying we can't do any walk in the dark, considering he pretty much specializes keeping everyone in the dark about whatever the hell he's doing. <laughs> True. But if I let it go too long, that comment wouldn't have made much contextual sense. They mentioned in the commentary that uh, the light Elise is carrying, battery pack for it is in her backpack. <laughs> so she has to hold it like that to hide the cable. <laughs> yeah, I think she's holding it a little bit awkwardly when it's seen later on. It's all at an angle with both hands. <laughs> yeah. All we can do right now is keep moving. Greer's face. You look, look at him. He looks worried. <laughs> That's Jamil, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I think on, in he's on the commentary. Yeah, I think in the commentary they actually mentioned that those tunnels were actually in the SG One studio. Yeah. Do you always like That's that convenient. sort of missed effect. Well, the funny thing about the commentary: Brian J. Smith, Jamil Walker Smith, Peter Kalamus, and Patrick Gilmore. Patrick says basically this is the only episode he doesn't feature in, in the whole series and, he, and he's doing the commentary for it <laughs> which is one of the reasons why it probably wasn't the most exciting commentary yeah plus they're just getting confused as well with well yeah Jamil thought he was going to watch time <laughs> yeah <laughs> just like is that the episode <laughs> oh no no it's the episode where we keep going through the gate is it <laughs> I think some of these tunnels would lead somewhere no one of the people who built this place died out Probably all got lost down here. <laughs> Just wandered around, thinking, oh, only we thought to put in a few more exits. Or have one of those maps you see in a shopping mall with a, a, a big red dot? You are here. How hard is that? Chloe should cheer up. This was the wrong mission to volunteer for. They were complaining in the comment, Jamil especially was saying that he feel the crew were wearing breathing masks. Mm. Uh, but when they yelled cut, the guys got to go out and the crew stayed there and set up for the next shot. No, that's one of the problems. They've had it before when they've been shooting on the set in an enclosed location. Materials they use, although not toxic in themselves, you don't really want to be breathing them for hours on end. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the great example of that is uh, Whispers, when they built a tent in the set so they could pump it full of fog. Mm. I'll admit I was freaking out a bit. And now? Well, we do know that Destiny is, is travelling down 
a path. Now, I do like it when they're sort of talking about a few minutes ago when Eli's going, why can't we have a map? And he's pointing to his T-shirt. <laughs> we are here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are comment. Uh, Jamil was commenting about how uh, Eli really got into this bit. Yeah, about how it would actually work and the sort of technical details the thing is as we know from sort of other parts of the commentaries that mike's mentioned is that he's been more of a stargate geek than sort of any of the others so he knows all the backgrounds and he's been sort of really interested in how things work this circle represents the gates in range of destiny next time it drops out of ftl okay so we need to get to that circle yeah right now hopefully there are gates in range of each other between these circles once we are in range of destiny, the address will show up on here. It also reinforces the fact that a long-term Stargate watcher, you go, well, Gate Stargate can go anywhere in the network. This system, because it is so old, they've got a limited range, so actually finding the way to a specific location means multiple jumps. Yeah. And only if they connect. It's the edge of the corridor or run into planets we've been to before, or at least addresses I'll hopefully you remember or recognize, but at least it's a 50-50 shot. More than many people get. Good. Hey, oh, what's up with Greer? What's he looking at? All right, we should really get moving. It's been five minutes. Eli, seriously? Ah, look, lunch. <laughs> yeah, even in the Milky Way in that, of course, you do get a range that it's only in that galaxy. So, of course, as you said, you can see from these early gates to sort of the iteration of the gates about how much better they are. Sort of, yeah, it's good that you can sort of see that history as such. You're not going to tell Young? I was not certain. More bad news. You have to tell him. You have to tell him. And talk about telling him about news. She's upset. <laughs> Strategically placed <laughs> <a> container. <laughs> yeah, I think they said she's about six months pregnant at the moment. Yeah, they're probably getting to the point where they had to let out a jacket here and there. Is at least here, where it's a lot more informal, they had that opportunity because, of course... The soldiers probably wouldn't have had that option if it was like in the SGC or something. No. Because you would have had the dress code sort of thing. and You're allowed to look scruffy, so you can get away with a lot. Yeah. But that's not an issue. Thanks. Sir? Alarm bells start ringing in Young's mind. There's something else I uh, need to tell you. Well, that sounds serious. Okay, go for it. I'm ready. I, I, Colonel Young, come in. Perfect timing. Bad timing. <laughs> or <Yeah>. not. <laughs> you can still tell him. Go for it. <laughs> still questioning whether or not she's going to tell him. It can wait. Yeah. He's not that observant. It's a bit of a longer conversation. <laughs> Although it turns out that maybe not. Okay. Oh, TJ chickened out on that. I do like these displays where you can see through them the CG that they've done on this. Yeah. They said it was very difficult, though. you got to agree on an eye line. Yeah. Well, not only that, because of the way this series is shot, and the camera's always moving. SG-1 and SGA got away with a lot of static camera shots for the CGI on the uh, holographic panels and rear projection shots. This is much more complex, but it pays off. Oh, yeah. The quality is just so much better. Then we are at the very edge of this galaxy. Well, how's that bad news? We know that destiny travels between galaxies. Yeah, but... The space between galaxies is huge, vast, empty. You think that's where that power-saving protocol could... I don't know, it could be, but more importantly, there will be no more gates. No chance of dialing back to this system. It's a nice 2D representation of the galaxy. 
makes it so much easier. I did wonder why the second line is, what's the difference between the first and the second one? Well, that's the intergalactic barrier that surrounds all galaxies. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure if one was them cutting out in reach of the gate and one was something else. So maybe the first line was, okay, the gates can only reach this far if the ship is still there, but this one is the galactic barrier, or vice versa. I don't think they know enough about the gates to actually predict that. I think maybe it could have intended to mean something, but it was never labelled up. Yeah, that's what I said. I just thought it was a bit strange that there was two, and it's like, hmm. Left. I like left. For no offence to what you like, man, but... No. He's right, we should go left. I like this bit. (laughs) How do you know for sure? Because that's what this map says. Huh. There's been a few of these along the way. I, I thought they were just decorative at first. It's got nothing nothing to do with you being a woman that we're not taking your word as gospel, honest. It was just like, yeah, this is the... You are here, Mark. It's just like, why well, I really wanted Eli to say, oh, it's sort of like a genie joke. <laughs> I wish to win the lottery, <laughs> sort of thing. Well, this seems to be the fork we're standing at. Yeah, well, there's only one way to find out. It's not a, a great thing to say, but we know... Chloe is well-educated. Yeah. We know she's intelligent, she's independent woman. For the last half of this, well, up until now, you've always got the impression maybe she's not that bright in the real real world sense. So this comes as a bit of a shock. You know, she ran off all that archaeological tech talk. No problem. She's right. There's another map left. Whoa. She spotted those patterns. Now, obviously, if you've seen Stargate Universe, you know what this is leading to. Yeah, the thing is, when I first watched it, I did wonder, well, okay, is this something because of her abduction? Or is this just her, but she's now got confidence to do more? So whereas before, she's sort of reacting, nobody knows what to do. She's sort of settled in with the circumstances, and it's just like she's doing everything she can to learn more. And as you said, we know she's very intelligent. She'd been running her dad's campaigns and all this other stuff seemed to be from what they said years so yeah she seemed to be a sort of very intelligent and focused person to get where she was at that age so it was just like okay so which one is it the fact that rush was able to access information from the aliens minds it's setting the groundwork anyway yeah so as you said, they'd sort of laid the groundwork. It's just like, well, okay. And especially given the fact that so many things just carry on through with this series. Taken from the alien ship that detaches sort of, what was it, episode four or something? Um, and then we don't see them again for ages and all these other little things that you've just got to sit and wonder, hmm, okay, is this part of the ongoing storyline or not? And yeah, it's quite impressive how they do carry these things through. Three hours. Besides uh, dialing, checking for safe environment, roughly eight to ten minutes per planet. Factor in time to get back, we'll be able to see roughly twenty planets. At least we know the direction. I do like all the reflections on the uh, floor and the walls. One thing on the new DVD that I've got, they sort of tell about the stages and how all those sets are basically multi-purpose, which I thought was very impressive. In case anyone's wondering why I went ha, it's because at that point she said to TJ. You're starting to show, and I'm thinking, really? <laughs> Can you wait? Stone cold silence. Read into that what you will. Greer! Come on, buddy! Greer! Oh, this hasn't been a very good mission at all, has it? Wait, 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 wait. 
That looks remarkably like drywall. <laughs> Probably was. <laughs> yeah. But no, I thought they were all very good with all these little micro expressions and things like that. Worry and concern and... They did say it all had to be ADR'd as well, didn't they? Yeah. Just simply walking on all the gravel made enough noise that the mics were picking it up. The thing is, they've done it so well that I never noticed it beforehand. Because a lot of the time you, you can see these little things. And when we're talking about one of the other earlier episodes, when they're in the desert, and they said that they did it then, you couldn't tell. Look, Greer. I'm sorry, man. Now this is the second flashback we've seen of this youngster. A young child in a dark closet while raised voices are behind the door. Doesn't bode well. Hmm, abusive father or stepfather or just mother's latest boyfriend. And his hat stayed on. <laughs> and his walkie-talkie. That must be uncomfortable. Not a comfortable position to be in. He's got his gun with him, you know. He's a soldier, never let go when you gun. This is my weapon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's probably strapped on. Hey! Hey, guys, can anybody hear me? I'm here! The argument that's got put forward, we've lost contact with him. They were able to connect easily with Lieutenant James when she was within 40 or 50 feet. Yeah. There's only so much time you can spend pulling rubble out and fearing for a cabling. Well, especially as they're on a timetable with regard to trying to do anything if they want to. Probably got far enough from the cave-in. Right, don't lose that one, Eli. <laughs> yeah. What they need now is a Asgard beaming technology. Yeah. You can argue in any science fiction show, if they add this, if they add that, half the movies you watch from the 70s and 80s and even the early 90s, you think... This film would be over if they had a mobile phone. His expressions here. He said how he thought in the commentary very hard about what he'd be thinking about and everything else. And I think it worked because it, it showed that he knows he needs to go and move on and try and get to the gate and get the others out. But really didn't want to leave his friend. Well, that's it. You've got a duty to carry out your mission and protect those under your command. You've got a duty never to leave a man behind. But at some point... You're an officer, you make a decision. Yeah. This is young Greer, and that is his father, played by Sean Blackmore. I like the switching between a young Greer stacking some bricks and the older Greer just digging out rubble. Nice piece of writing, that is. Perhaps not the most constructive chore to give a young boy, but maybe teaching him a little bit of discipline, repetitive work. Done. And that is, what a bastard. Yep. Yep, I would have used another word, but... Uh... You don't think you have an adult rating. <laughs> <laughs> Would your other word be expanded to see you next Tuesday? <laughs> That's a safe way of saying it, isn't it? He was a good man. A good father. 
You're too young to remember. I hate him. It's not his fault. Drink your milk, son. Good bones. You need to be strong. I know you got it in you. He needs us. Both of us. Nobody else is going to take care of him. This is Angela Greer, played by Stephanie Samuels. She's been in Eureka and Battlestar, a local Vancouver actress. I thought all this was very good. This is something you would never see in Stargate. I think the closest we got to that was with Sam when she's on, was it the Prometheus? In, um, was it Grace? Yeah. I, you got to admire Greer here. The sheer own perseverance. Yeah. He, is, he is not going to give up. Mm-hmm. It's just not in his character. Imagine all these years we've been watching Stargate and they've been filming on jungle sets in the studios. That one looks pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I must admit, I did actually think that some of these they'd actually done while out on location for some of the other shoots. Sees the exit that there's daylight coming in there. I'm saying maybe the thing to do is stay put. If it is possible to connect the dots between here and destiny, then Colonel Young is going to send a team back to look for us. Maybe we'd be better off waiting for them to find us. We don't know how long destiny is going to stop for. Yeah, it's hard to hard to imagine that is probably a something like a forty by thirty set. Mm. It's probably the same set they filmed the Ice Planet on, and time as well. It actually, looks a little bit. I was going to say time. But there's the foliage is so dense, the light looks so perfect. Yeah. A nice change in tone of the music as well. The arrows, that helped. <laughs> and they're just playing with you now. Yep. He'll make it. He'll make it. He's, he's on his way. <laughs> Any second now, he'll run up. You waited. There'll be manly hugs all round. I'm not sure about these people that built these structures. I don't reckon much to the ladders. Well, we don't know how long they've been there or what sort of body type they've got. They, they could have been spider people. Yeah. <laughs> they're the descendants. It's safe to go. Run, Forrest, run! I don't think this is going to be sweetness and light. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> yes, his, uh, his father has issues which we learn about. Why doesn't he call on the radio? Radio's meant to be broke. And the thing is, that we may, he may have done it, but it could have just got cut. I don't think seeing him doing that would have given anything to sort of tension of the storyline. The building up, you expect him to make it. That is the trope. Yeah. The thing is, in SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis, you would have seen them go, come in, come in. And that would have been them trying to do it with maybe a shot of something going past. But here you actually, it's just focused on the characters. So yeah, I don't think it would have worked as well if he'd actually been trying to do that the entire time. Oi. No dumping or tipping allowed. No abandonment either. Look at that, he didn't even give him any money for a hooker. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure he's old enough to use one. Parts of the series we don't get to see much. Matt. Listen to the music with this. This is very, very... Well, I was, I was going to say primeval, but it's kind of cheating, really. Seeing all these sets always reminds me of um, what Robert Carlyle said before we actually got Universe in one of the publications. He actually said, 
when he stepped onto the set for Stargate Universe. It was the best set he'd seen since like being on Bond. It was so good in quality <laughs> that literally he compared it to a big budget film. Yeah. You hear that? Of course we heard it. Dial the gate. God, I'm dialing. Dial faster. I'm dialing, I'm dialing. <laughs> Dial faster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course we heard that. Dial quickly. Ah, <laughs> uh, good idea. I mentioned I had breakfast with the Canadian most Saturdays. No, you haven't. But good to know. But he's naturally Irish now. That's it. Stand where the thing's going to go kabush. Well, it actually looked like he was standing behind it. You get plenty of warning anyway. Yeah, you see it dialing. Ooh. <laughs> this bit. There's something out there. Yeah, this bit's so cool. Because <laughs> you see. think, oh, we probably won't see anything because a lot of these things you don't always, but then it's oh, just like dear. they actually did. Oh, big teeth. That's, gonna, that's just going to piss it off. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. you think... <laughs> Keep running. Limited bullets, why fire at all? But again, normally you wouldn't get those sorts of creatures in a Stargate. I'm actually disappointed it didn't look more like what we can consider a traditional dinosaur. <laughs> I know, obviously, there's a reason it wouldn't, but... No, I'm glad they actually made it different. I'm rather impressed that the lad found his way home. If his dad just drove into the city and dropped him off anywhere. Well, if, he'd be, if he's always lived in that house and city, then he probably knows his way home. He could have been four or five miles away the other side of the city. Mom! Mom! Mom, we have to go! Mom, wake up! That's it, lad. Save your mom. Yeah, but the, po- the point is, he'd know his address. Yeah, he'd know where so he was. So he'd know where his neighbourhood was in relation to the city. That is always impressive when you see live fire on a set and the actors or the stuntmen doing their work. And nicely done, Ronald. Save both your mother and your father. Should have let me burn. Not quite sure how deserving the latter was. Beautiful. Crystal growths remind me of... Uh... Yeah. It did make me wonder as well, because of course we saw this in, what was it, yes. the second or third episode of Stargate SG-1, and then in fourth series of Atlantis, those crystalline structures. Because of course you see common humanoid around the galaxies, so I thought it was an interesting thing that they did with the crystalline growth, saying common things do grow. Of course it is said that with the amount of galaxies and planets and that out there, that they could literally be a complete duplicate of Earth, in another Milky Way. So you'll take one team and I'll take the other? R- Rush doesn't care what she says, just, you know, leave me alone. I'm watching season five for Once Upon a Time, so it's interesting comparing Carlisle and this to Carlisle and that. Mm. God, so we forgot what a clean breath of air felt like. Emphysema, asthma, bronchitis. They said none of the guys sent in to put out the fire showed any ill effects. Come on, you buy that? How can that be true? Those fires were everywhere. Man's a living hell. Now, do you recognise the actor there? He has been in an episode of Stargate Atlantis. Yeah, I recognised him, but it was bugging me when I watched it again. It's just like, who is he? What was he in? And I was going to look it up, I forgot. The actor's William MacDonald, and he played Griffin, who sacrificed himself to save McKay when they crashed the jumper in the water. Between 1998 and 2000, 
20,000 soldiers had to be hospitalized after receiving the vaccine, even though they'd never been deployed overseas. You remember he pushed him into the cargo compartment when the blast broke. Oh yeah, that's right. Sand fleas, though, they got under your skin and how carried all kinds of diseases, diseases you can't even say. Tank busters, uranium depleted. I loaded those munitions. Nothing dangerous coming off those. What do you think? 18,000 times. In two years, those alarms went off. It's not the mustard gas, never the mustard gas. It was cigarettes, deodorant. Can you believe that? As I said, this is very political. Even now, the argument of what military does to protect its troops and the consequences of those things put more drugs and chemicals into soldiers' bodies, thinking, oh, they'll need this to protect them from this, protect them from that, and probably did more damage than anything they actually picked up on the battlefield. Remember uh, streamers? Yeah. Amazing the shit we have to put in our lungs to protect us from the shit that goes in our lungs. <laughs> I do like his afro. It does make him a bit younger. Yeah. But they've actually styled it in a way that matches, because, of course, we've seen some of his hair growth now. Hey, TJ, listen, I'm sorry. One thing turned into another, and the next thing you know, a five-minute update is... I'm pregnant. Hey! <laughs> oh! That's the way to do it. Get it over <laughs> and done with. Rip the plaster off. That's not a plaster. That staples in a way. Every man that's been put into this position, you've got to be very careful what you say next. I thought I was in that position once. Are you sure? Or how did that happen? Or <laughs> is it mine? All the wrong things to say. I know what I said. <laughs> what did you say? I said I hadn't planned on having kids with you yet, but if it happens, it happens. <laughs> I think that's about the most positive thing I could say. <laughs> Bear in mind, I paused for about two seconds to stop. It's yours. Ours. Helpful that she was in the UK, I was here when we were on the phone. She couldn't actually see my face. Yeah, this is a bit more intimate. <laughs> on this ship. Yes, Everett. And you thought Rush was a complication. How far along are you is a question which implies, can we abort it safely? Not really an option on the destiny, though. Or you're doing the mental math in your head. Yeah. He's, I did find it interesting because, of course, he's just surprised. He's shocked because um, it is completely out of the blue. But, of course, him not saying anything, she instantly sort of just skips to worst case scenario as people would. Um, but I thought it was good the way that sort of he reassures her and cheers her up. <laughs> but still, the expression on his face is just like, oh crap. On top of everything else. Yeah. <laughs> Our medic's going to have a baby. Or if he's in Quantum Leap, he would say, oh boy. Tears in her eyes, a hug with the father of her child. Probably the best case scenario. And of course, this was the oat that's flying around them. And they've lost the uh, Kino. Why don't they get the Kino back? They don't. They can't get the Kino back. There's no self-dialing system on the Kino. That's a good burn, mate. And we won't know if the next address we try is safe. Dial another one. But I, I just said that... I know, I know, but we can't stay here, can we? No, no, but No, I, you I, stay. I'll go, I'll go. I'll radio Matt, back if it's safe. Matt, no. Look, we stay here. We're as good as dead anyway. Dial another one. They left you. Abandoned you. They did what they had to do. Thought I was dead. Nobody's going to save you. Nobody cares. In the end, all there is, is you. It shows, though, that the Greer we know was there right from the start. The fact he went run back into that fire to save his father, the one who... Yeah. I wouldn't say physically abused him. We didn't really see any significant violence, but... Although... It's implied when he was in the closet that he hit the mother. Yeah. And also, 
solve the conversation between him and his mother as well. I meant directly against the lad. I assumed the mother would take in the brunt of it. Well, given how he was with Bricks and how he grabbed him, I would say that it's highly likely. But I have, like with a lot of domestic abuse cases, one of the hardest parts is actually getting the person who's being abused is to step away. Just because they are being abused, both the abuser and the abused person can actually still love each other and have strong feelings. And because of that, you can get denial on both sides and things never change. Well, they've made it clear here that he understands after he came back from the war, he was a different man. Yeah. And that has been... It's PTSD. Yeah. The thing is, is of course, back then, although it was still recognised, it wasn't as recognised thing and a lot of people would live in denial of it as well so they wouldn't seek treatment. 36 states have some form of religious exemption to child abuse and neglect. Still one of the best looking gate scenes on any series of Stargate. I did wonder if they did anything to that ramp to actually make it slippery. Or whether yeah, that probably, was just they probably them. put actual snow on it. <laughs> <laughs> Not tell the actors. And um, what was it that they said this snow was actually? Bubbles. Bubbles, that's it. It does look very good. It's got that very light feel about it. It's not just coming down, you know, blowing up, moving with air currents. Speaking of someone who has significant experience of snow. Yeah, but it looks an awful lot better than the fake snow that TV and film tend to use, which is... Oh, yeah. It's like in America, a lot of the time, they film snow and it's just like, have you actually seen snow? <laughs> so coming from yeah. Scotland, it's like, that doesn't look like snow. <laughs> I'll raise my point to being a tad further north than you, Steve. They didn't go to any extremes to get the uh, the breath appearing cold. Normally, if they're not running on a cold set, they will CGI that. But this looks like an expensive episode. Well, we don't know what that snow is made up of on a different planet. It might not actually be ice. Well, if it, if it was methane or something like that, it'd be even colder. No, all I'm saying is... You can explain anything if you really want to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, is you can explain these things away. It's actually a balmy 30 degrees centigrade. <laughs> this planet's climate control yeah. went a bit wonky. Well, we know it could actually be ash of some sort. Highly toxic. Okay, so what now? Uh, can we retrace our steps? Wait. Oh, you know you're in trouble when that's the best suggestion you can come up with. We should go to this planet. Why? Look, even if we retrace our steps and try this all again with different choices... Yep, you'll just be playing pot luck all over again. No guarantees. The computer on that alien ship. Yeah, and that's what brought the aliens. Yes, but in the small time that he was there, he was able to glean some information about the shape of this galaxy and where the Stargates are. It... Come on, Eli. Have some confidence. Have faith in your abilities. You can do it. We won't have to stumble around. We... We'd have a map. Okay, but what about the aliens? Believe me, you do not want to end up a prisoner on one of those ships. I realize we might not have much time. We'll have to get in and out. Quickly. So, we're just done with phrasing, right? That's not a thing anymore? Okay then. Come on, Scott. Time to make the decision. You're in charge. Now, isn't it just ironic that Greer's going to get saved? I thought it was good they took the little detail of what the military would do of sort of hiding the camera. Just, yeah. Yeah. Lieutenant, 
Yeah, and he's got a bead on them before they'll have a bead on mm-hmm. him. Well, I wonder how he can recognise James from a silhouette like that. Did I not tell you about my encounter with Bob Wilkins at the Four Stories Disco Con? No. I'll tell you after. Why bring it up then? <laughs> it's relevant. And they did mention that they filmed this the month before when they were on this. Oh, I've got to say when they were on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they came back from the little excursion and asked. And we're back to the alien spaceship. It's like they put a filter on, possibly in post. There was definitely a filter applied, yeah. so it didn't look like Earth sunlight. It was more of an orange cast than you'd expect from a standard Class 9 sun. What I thought was funny was when they said that, of course, they were shooting this bit weeks before they'd even got the script. So, of course, they didn't know anything about what was happening, where they'd been, or what they'd been doing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Eli? How about this? does give them the... Didn't they say that they were trying to figure out how it would work out, and Eli actually came up with exactly how they were going to do it? Yeah. David, I should say, not Eli. I know what you meant. <laughs> Oh, love it. Russia's glasses. Guess we're in the right place. Well, I haven't seen the other alien spaceships, did you? <laughs> Come on, clock is ticking. I know, I know. This is Eli's first time on a, an alien spaceship. Wow. Yes, exactly. Well, you don't count it definitely as an alien spaceship. You know, <laughs> technically it's... Uh, Pretty. Yes, the uh, LEDs, you know, working overtime. I like it. This is an alien spaceship. Right, exactly. 15 minutes, that is it. End of discussion. Okay then, Scott. No pressure. Come on, Eli. If you don't solve the puzzle, you ain't going home. Nice work, Lieutenant. Thank you, sir. Any word from Rush? Not yet. And that time he gave her a bit of congratulations. Yeah, which goes back to what you saw at the beginning of the episode. Her feeling disconnected and that she doesn't do anything right because he doesn't even acknowledge yeah. anything she's doing. I think ever since Air, when you know she had a go at him for always thinking about Chloe before his own men and women, he's probably held a grudge. I think Young's a bit ambiguous about Greer on the grounds that Greer won't mindlessly follow orders. Greer will do what he feels is morally correct, whether that agrees with Young's plan or not. But then we can't fully trust him. But then you knew that from the very first episode. Yeah, but that <laughs> hence his reaction. I think he might have been secretly hoping that Greer was gone. <laughs> be another reason for him to have headaches not there. But he knew Greer is someone he can trust, though. Um, there. Select that. Now this is where we start to see that. You know, I was saying earlier that we, I, well, well, we don't know if it's just her being intelligent and doing a lot of reading in her downtime. I don't know. Can you read this? No, I, I just. Know what it means? Look, can you use this to get us back to destiny or not? Uh, yes. That's Jackson. not very confident. Yes. Or this is her with maybe some extra ability from her abduction because now she can actually recognise this alien text. Then Destiny is about to leave the galaxy. If we don't get back on board before it does, we're going to be stranded for good. Game over. You gotta wonder, is Eli... Game over. <laughs> is Eli and Chloe a sort of splitting of different aspects of Jackson's character, as you've just mentioned? Yeah, I suppose they are. But one thing in... <laughs> yeah, in that diagram of the galaxy, did you realise they use those two lines again? On the alien ship. Well, I'm not saying they're saving money all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, they must have had some meaning. It just never got around to being explained or... Or it was cut. Down to the wire. 
Incoming wormhole. That's it. Stand in front of the kawash. That makes sense. Step to one side, you moron. You see, they're at it again. You're raising expectations. Of course, first time I watched this this week, I'm thinking... Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it's just like, Rush. you forgot they're out. <laughs> yeah, I forgot this. And the thing off. is, because of the way it was done, it's very clever because you do. And even watching it the second time, I'd still forgotten. It's just like, how can I forget a second time? But it's just... I forgot. It's just very clever storytelling because you, your focus is on yeah. these other teams. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, yeah. Dial it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> dial again. Yeah, yeah. I'd have been dialing again straight away. <laughs> Yeah, this is not looking good. No, it's not. We don't even know what those numbers mean, which actually adds to the tension. <laughs> You're not even sure what base they're in. And gone. And I love this next bit, where Scott is so upset, doesn't even realise... What happened? I said I don't... He knows why the Destiny disappeared. Oh, God. What? The address just disappeared. How can it be there one second and then gone the next? Uh. <laughs> they jumped. Yeah, then the look on his face, he just sort of looks up at the gate again. Oh crap, yeah, that's a stupid question. <laughs> yeah. We must have just missed it. And, but it's perfect writing, perfect delivery. This isn't the last episode of the season, is it? No, this is episode 15. What the hell do you leave on a cliffhanger like this for? Because, it's an, because the story continues next week. We're done. Again, this is the first time that we get something that's almost a sort of three-parter, but it's not. Usually there's been a gap of at least a couple of days or something between some of the episodes if it hasn't been like... You really don't want to bug, Greer. I'm trying to carry on for Eli. Don't you think he'd want me to? I mean, I think it's important. Look, I know you've been through a lot. I only need a minute or two. What happened on the planet? Yeah, Riley's been remarkably brave or stupid, depending upon your point of view. He just doesn't say anything. Usually he would have just sort of shouted at him or something like that, I think. But I think Greer is the kind of man and Jamil's the kind of actor who can convey volumes with a look. You know what I'm saying? Well, we've seen it many a time. Simple things are a couple of weeks ago when he picked up the photograph and just biggest smile on his face. And we never, still don't know who he was looking at. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I like about this. It's... Uh... Made me sad that it was killed after two seasons because there was just there were setting up things which they could have filled out and not bother. It gets you thinking about the characters, yeah. little small moments that you'll be thinking about for weeks afterwards. You know, yeah. What does that mean? Will they ever explain it? And not just that, just the complexity of the characters, as other times that have been mentioned in the show. With Ray, when she's with the IOA and when she's at home and when she's on the ship, she's very different, which is very true to life because. When you're at work, you act differently. When you're in front of people you know more and trust, you act differently. It's not the same thing. You tended to get in the previous series. There were a few episodes where you got to see some like SG-1 outside, and they did have a little bit of that, but not a huge amount. Now, oh, the Rob Wilkins thing. They, at the first storage con, because he couldn't come on the Friday because he was getting yet another honorary doctorate, they asked us on the Saturday morning, would we do a receiving line of people in costume because there were steps leading up to the entrance to the hotel. So I went off and got in costume, which is full face and three-quarter back of head, 
black skull mask, hooded velvet cloak full length. I was wearing black steel toe cap boots, gold hands and a unitard which had phosphorescent bones on it and a death brooch thing fastened close so you couldn't really see my body shape. And Rob, Terry's PA, is coming up the steps with Terry, glances at me in full costume and goes, Hey on, and then carries on. I'm standing there, oh, what the fuck? So how could he recognise him in silhouette? Rob, as I understand it, it's XMI6. If the training is there, you can know someone from their stance. Excellent. It's possible. It's happened to me. This is direct personal experience. This is not something that happened to somebody else. How the bloody hell did he recognise me? Because you couldn't see anything of me. Right then, a little bit of trivia for this episode. Martin Garrow, who wrote the episode... He did uh, two episodes of SG-1, 26 of Atlantis, and this single episode of Universe. As I said during the episode, this was his last work on the Stargate franchise. Also worked on Bored to Death. He created the LA Complex and Blind Spot, which returns for a second season. He's written an episode of Dark Matter as well. Ron Schmidt, the director. Just the one episode of uh, Stargate Universe. Huge resume, though. Cargo PD, Saving Grace and The Shield. He's better known for being a cinematographer. He worked on Stargate Universe Air Part 1, 2 and 3. So he basically set the standard and the tone for the entire series. Also worked on Chicago PD, The Walking Dead, Saving Grace, Chicago Code, Huff and again The Shield. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. Hello, Alan, Mike, guest and the Gatecast community. This is Brad from Australia with some feedback for last week's episode, Human I don't have an awful lot to say about this one, really. Um, all the stuff with Rush in the chair is sort of uh, interesting. It's sort of a need to happen, and okay, they've decided to uh, write in the fact that they've been able to limit the transfer of information into Rush's brain. Okay, we've never seen or heard of this being able to be done before. It would have been mighty helpful back in the days of old, but um, all the things that Rush encounters in his dream, if you will... The only real thing I have to say is, uh, we seen a couple of episodes ago, Young confront Rush saying that he wouldn't sacrifice himself, he wouldn't sacrifice anything to, uh, oh, he wouldn't be game to sit in a chair. Well, I think um, reliving what he's just had to relive with his dying wife has been a uh, pretty big sacrifice. Um, it's not sacrifice by life on his part, but it's uh, it's definitely a sacrifice, him having to relive what happened in the last few years before he uh, went to Pegasus. No, not Pegasus, before he went to Icarus. The other side of things that are happening, Scott, Greer and Eli and Chloe decide to go down a deep dark hole. Yeah, I understand they need to do that to be captured. Maybe if there was some ancient or some sort of technology there that imprisoned them, took them out of phase, something, and Eli got them back, but it was too late to catch up to uh, Destiny again. I don't buy getting buried in the rubble of an ancient building. Like, it's not rocket science. You just don't go in there. One interesting thing did come out of the uh, the rescue attempt. Lieutenant James says, quite honestly, I'm not going to lie to you, sir. It looks bad, but we're going to get you out of here. You just said you weren't going to lie to him. <laughs> Didn't get him out of there. And in the end, the uh, number f- turning up in all sorts of places... I think someone did mention it during the during the episode. Once you see something, you can't unsee it. And I'd have gone back to rewatch from the start, and you can't see it. So they make it pretty obvious that it's there. Chromosomes, I don't understand. Okay, so maybe they need to blood on their hands to open doors because they haven't got the uh, 
ancient gene reader. I'm sure this will or won't come up at future times. There'll be my brief thoughts on human. Can't wait. Lost and Sabotage are two great episodes, and I can't wait to rewatch them. So uh, this has been Brad from Australia, and bye for now. Cheers, Brad. Thank you very much for the voicemail. The way I see it, the number gave them the key to unlocking the code, gave them a base to work from. That's all it was for. Doesn't do anything in itself. Of course, we will see a lot more of that in the episodes to come. And now for some feedback from Mac. Mac posted this on Google Plus about last week's episode, Human. Human was probably one of the best episodes this season, not because of those four Muppets who got stuck on the planet, but because of Rush and Rush alone. I've watched this episode many, many times and it still moves me. Trying to find the secret code to unlock a ship millions of years old must be a headache and a half. But that said, having all the distractions going around you might have driven Rush crazy. Thankfully, it didn't. Also note, we didn't see him smoke or drink coffee in this dream state. Our brains and imagination, well, they're just cruel, aren't they? I believe Destiny was also pushing Rush to deal with his inner feelings by relieving his nightmares and guilt, freeing his mind to explore new ways of thinking. I love this episode, the dialogue, the acting and the overall feel makes this one of the best from Stargate Universe. Thanks again for the show, and we'll be sad when it's all over, but that's not yet, so I'll enjoy it till then. I replied, an impressive episode which actually improves the more you watch it. Even I was surprised how much Thomas and myself discussed while watching some pretty dialogue-like sequences. Good use of guest stars including Shanks, and a very atmospheric looking episode. The rough-and-ready aspect worked, even though a more clean or antiseptic style might have been a better option. And Mac finished up with, The dialogue was impressive. I was running for the whole episode and didn't feel it dragged. Time passed pretty quickly, so from that you can tell it was a good conversation. Okay then, exercising while watching Stargate Universe. That's the way to do it. Let's get back to the show. Right then, next week's episode is going to be Sabotage. Sounds ominous. They're coming. Friday on an all-new Stargate Universe. Despite our best efforts, we believe an attack will happen. We have to fix the ship. We're going to fall short. Destiny won't make it across the void. The ship's going to be taken. We're all going to be taken. Stargate Universe, an original series. All new this Friday at 9. Only on Sci-Fi. Imagine greater. And from that, you have no idea if those (laughs) three members of the team are going to get back or not. Another good episode. It would be a brave series that wrote out three or four major characters for half a dozen episodes, wouldn't it? Yeah, it could have been another sub-story of them trying to do something. But yeah, it would have been very different. But then it's not the first time we've seen, especially when this was actually done, it wasn't the first time that we'd actually seen something like this because with Lost, you got a lot of major characters sort of written out pretty early. And of course, these days, it's just common. So just take Game of Thrones. Well, (laughs) Game of Thrones is still the exception, I think. Something like The Walking Dead, it's almost as if you know when they introduce a character, yeah, they can be dead in six episodes. Yeah, and yet some characters you really, really wish were dead just go on and on and on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Galt, Galt. Our protagonist, our sociopathic protagonist. I wonder, have they actually introduced the thing which they introduced in the comic? She gets shot in the face and survives? Yes. Oh, good. He was mildly injured. How do you get yeah. mildly injured by getting shot in the face with a large caliber bullet? That was a question I, you know, I asked myself after I watched it, thinking, well, he must be dead. The next episode, bandage, bandage, he'll be all right. But yeah, that was last season. Look, I'm going to watch this next season just to see Sam and Dean's dad play havoc with him. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Batman's dad, whichever way you want to call it. <laughs>
Okay then folks, that was Lost. As I said, next week we're going to be watching Sabotage. If everything goes according to plan, Ian will be joining us for that. But in terms of feedback, we'd love to hear from you on any subject regarding Stargate. Here are the details. If you do fancy getting in touch with us, then you can do so via the contact form, which is on our website, which is at gatecast.co.uk. Or you can send us an email using gatecastpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Google Plus and are carried on iTunes and Stitcher Internet Radio. You'll find all the links on our website. If you have a minute, then a rating or review on either of those services would be most welcome. The standalone RSS feed, which lists every episode we've released, can also be found on our website, under Mission Reports. That link can be copied and manually added to a podcatcher, and will give you direct access on that device to all the shows, unlike iTunes, which only lists the previous 25. Can I just interject briefly with a recommendation? El Sprague de Camp's Less Darkness Fall. It was one of several Galant-style Omnibuy I picked up, and I finally ran out of Sue Grafton to read, and I picked up Less Darkness Fall, and I literally didn't put it down for about 140 pages until 1am. Now, look, it was a Saturday night, so I know I went up the following morning, but for a book that was written 50 or 60 years ago, it absolutely gripped me. I am on book 45 of my Star Trek reread. Yeah, I haven't been very good with reading this year. In January, I started playing Star Trek Timelines, and yeah, my reading went down to basically none. <laughs> Steve, once again, thank you. Pleasure. Give us a quick rundown of your podcast involvement. We've got five minutes to kill. You can get me at Holosweep Media. I've got a Star Trek podcast called Tribbles and Ecstasy and a Battlestar Galactica podcast called Frack Stars. You head over to there and we're all over the internet as well. Excellent. Okay then, next week, Sabotage. Until then, I've been Mike. I've been Alan. And I've been Steve. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever.